He's back. Welcome to Almost an Hour podcast with Henrik Stenson, presented by Callaway Golf, makers of the Maverick Driver and Maverick 3-Wood, which I'm sure you are going to put to good use this week. Henrik, you're back. You're returning to pro golf. Tell everybody how excited you are to get out there at TPC Southwind for the WGC. Yes, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Uh, I'm just coming off the golf course now and uh, been able to catch up with a few of my friends and colleagues on the putting green here for a couple of hours. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good fun to see everyone again. And, um, yeah, as we get closer and closer, I'm sure I'm going to feel that uh, competitive little nerve uh, starting to, to show up. And uh, obviously a different return with, without the fans, but I'm, I'm sure it's still going to be uh, a little bit, uh, little bit special to tee it up on Thursday. Well, we're recording this earlier in the week on Monday because Wednesday you're playing with Victor Hobland, one of these really cool nine-hole charity events uh, that the tour seems to be doing each week. Um, are you angry at Victor that he is the highest-ranked player from um, Scandinavia at this point? Is this a chance for you to like remind him who the king of Scandinavia is, or are you just going to go out there and try to raise money and have fun? Well, if I'm going to remind him who the king of Scandinavian golf is, uh, I better show him on Thursday through Sunday rather than on a Wednesday, right? Uh, yeah, no, Victor's uh, yeah had a great uh, start to his uh, professional career. Uh, obviously, a great amateur record as well, and uh, he's uh, he's put on some some really solid and good performances here over the last year. Uh, so uh, no wonder he's he's been rising up in the rankings and. Uh, I'll uh, I'll try my best to uh, to shuffle things around here in the, in the weeks to come. All right, well, we have a lot to get to here on the Almost an Hour podcast because I know you will hang up on me because I'm sure you have a great Memphis barbecue dinner uh, to attend. But last week, my spies said that you had not one but two kind of a, of your your members of your team, um, Pete Cowan and Phil Kenyon, working with you at Lake Nona. Tell everyone what you were kind of working on and what the week before getting ready to return to the PGA Tour was like? Yeah, a lot of times it's uh, when, you, when you're catching up with your, with your, your coaches and, and team members, uh, it's just going through the basics. I think that's uh, a lot of things like in the putting with Phil, uh, checking the setup and making sure that everything is, uh, is in place, really. I mean, it's, it's always little things that tend to slip out of place. And, um, and, and if you don't stay on top of that and, and correct that over time they they start becoming bigger and bigger and all of a sudden now you don't know why the putting feels off and why you're not starting the ball online and all those things so really uh, a checkup session or two and then when when you know everything is uh, in right place then it's about hitting putts uh, speed practice uh, getting into reading greens again and and all that so uh, a lot of my focus uh, these next couple of days here before we start on Thursday, we'll be finding the pace and just doing those kind of drills um, on the putting green and out on the course as well. When you're playing a practice round, that's when you, you got the best opportunity to hit some really long and, and difficult curly-whirly putts on, on, on these slick greens. So uh, a lot of work on the, on the pace and, and um, being back into putting on, on tournament pace greens again. And then next week, a major championship, the PGA Championship at Harding Park. Um, when do you start to think about that? Does that enter your mind at all this week? Or is this week simply about the WGC uh, and, and that event? And then you'll move on to, to the next one after the week's over. Yeah, we're trying to focus on this week for sure. Um, but no matter how it goes, uh, good or bad or in between, we know we've got the first major of the year next week. So um, anything you can do to... To, to build some momentum to take with you um, uh, into next week. And uh, it, it's a different scenario now because I haven't played competitive for four and a half months. So uh, ev everything is kind of a little bit off compared to what it would have been normally. But uh, I'm excited to be here, excited to play again. Uh, I've played more social golf in the last couple of months than, than I think I've ever done. So it's not like I, I haven't been playing golf, but it, it's just that little bit of extra to, uh, to get into to tournament mode and, and prepare a little bit better and, and, and more than you would do when you're just playing casually. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I feel like I, I'm in pretty good shape anyway with my game. Talk about being rested because normally when you get to this time of the year, 
especially for a world player like yourself who has, you know, events over here, events over in Europe, all around the world. But again, you just said it, you haven't played, you haven't played competitive golf in four and a half months. How much fresher do you feel and how much do you think that'll be kind of a unique feeling in July, August, September, as, as this year rolls on? Yeah, I definitely think I'm going to be more uh, hungry and, and fresher in the, when the fall comes. And, and given the schedule changes and everything, now we've got three majors uh, uh, from from next week until the end of the year. So uh, I think that's going to be for a lot of the guys who haven't played for a number of months. Uh, you're certainly going to be more more fit and more more rested when when the fall tournament comes. And uh, yeah, it's it's a different year. We we all know that and. And you just gotta tackle it the best way you can. So uh, I expect to be, be, uh, be feeling fresh and, and ready to play all the way into December now. So specifically for what you were talking about, getting the speed of the greens, uh, let's try to help our listeners out, mainly me. Um, but when you go out there to practice and practice speed, what what do you do? Or or kind of talk us through a little bit on the practice green if you have some time and you want to work on a speed drill. What what do you and Phil Kenyon? Um, you know, kind of, kind of. Besides, besides having a lovely Odyssey number seven putter, which is one of the keys to great putting, what else is is key to speed? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different drills you can do. Uh, I think one important thing that I've implemented in my practice over these last, I don't know, five years or so, uh, I'm, I'm doing much more practice that that simulates what we're going to do on the golf course. I'm hitting. Uh, one putt from one distance to a hole and it's full tournament focus on it. I'm not standing there with with five, six balls and just rolling them one after each other. So, so really practice with a purpose is always going to be uh, one of the key ingredients. Uh, then for speed, yeah, you can you can throw out a fake hole or pick a hole and, and uh, if you decide you want to hit the pace of for instance, say you know a foot and a half past. Now you can you can set out from ten feet, fifteen feet, twenty feet each side, and, and you're going up and down, and, and you do variations because that would be the same as at Augusta. The greens are really quick at Augusta, and they're very undulated. But the hardest p- uh, part of, of putting well at Augusta, for instance, is that you have a you have a thirty footer down the hill that you can just barely touch, and then the next hole you might have a twenty footer straight up the hill, which you actually need to hit really firm. So, getting used to hitting a ten footer up the hill, and then you got a, a ten footer down the hill. Then the next one is is twenty feet down the hill, and then you move over to the twenty footer up the hill. So you just challenge yourself a lot more uh, within that drill to to get different putts, and and obviously keeping that perfect pace of a foot and a half by the hole if you don't make them. So uh, there's a lot of different drills you can do, but uh, but really putting that extra thought into your practice rather than just walking around the putting green, hitting the same putt over and over again. So, uh, yeah, if, if you in particular spend a bit of time on that, I guarantee you're going to putt better. Well, I think it's interesting because I think you must have read my notes here because one of the things Phil Kenyon shared this week on his social media account, he's been doing a lot more social media the last couple months is he said specifically only practice with one ball. Don't sit. He said you should never hit the same putt twice because you're never going to hit the same putt twice on the golf course. So uh, I have now committed to that. And uh, I know you're excited about this, Henrik. I will never uh, take more than one golf ball to the practice. Unless I lose one, I'll probably keep one in my pocket in case I I hit it out of bounds or in the water. But it it makes sense because why would you practice the same putt multiple times? You're never going to do that on the golf course. So you might as well actually practice what you're going to do. Yeah, I mean the only thing you might want to want to use more than one ball for is if you if you're working on your green reading and you're hitting the putt and it comes up on the low side, then you might just want to take another one and hit it mm-hmm. a little bit higher and things like that. But but in general, yeah, one ball on the putting green. I always do my quick checkups in my warm up routine for for the putting part. Uh, then I do some some drills and then I always finish with just roaming around for about five ten minutes uh, with one ball like I said, a 10-footer down the hill. Then I do a 60-footer across with a lot of break on, just hitting different putts. And if, you, if you're dialed in, you're going you're gonna to hit them with pretty good pace, all of them. And, and that's where you want to come to, to that confidence of, I got the speed this week. I'm, I'm hitting the ball 
with the, with the correct speed and and it's all about reading the greens and and starting the ball online to to make them so uh, yeah the, the more you put in the more you get out all right a couple more questions here before we get to the ask the iceman segment which Henrik, we got some great questions including one on pizza so we'll get to that in a little bit but i wanted to get your thoughts on um something that came out on friday which basically said that that professional golfers don't have to uh, quarantine coming into the United States for tournaments, which we were going to see a big issue potentially between the Safeway up in Napa and the U.S. Open in New York because there's some uh, mandatory quarantines uh, between California and New York. And Lee Westwood came out and said that he's not going to come over here. He's not going to play this week in the WGC, and he's not going to play in the first major. What do you think on uh, what Lee's doing staying in the U.K., uh, playing kind of in, in the bubble that the European Tour has established versus sort of what you're doing and what some other players are doing? Yeah, Given the, the circumstances and these challenging times, I mean, everyone's got to make up their own mind on what they want to do for, for travel, for safety, for, you know, many, for, your, for your profession and, and, and so on. So there's, there's going to be a lot of different takes. And uh, uh, obviously, life uh, on the road would be super hard if you, if you have to quarantine for two weeks prior to to every new tournament and, and every move you make, that's just not going to work. But that's why we have this really strict testing as well. Uh, so did test uh, on, on Thursday. Pete and I did uh, a saliva test uh, on Thursday. And then uh, as soon as we got in here to Memphis, we went to do the, the nasal swab here uh, midday today and waited for the results. So if you're doing those kind of things, I mean, I'm not a, a medical doctor, as you know, uh, uh, but it feels like then you kind of uh, really done two two big tests here with short periods of time, and you should be clear to to go and play. Then I mean that that's kind of the 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 setup we have here, and uh, yeah, then then you you might be able to skip some of this quarantine time before that if if you're still going to do the test in that way. So uh, hopefully that that can help to kind of speed things up a little bit and make it easier without uh, without jeopardizing the, the safety of anyone. And can I get you to rank the two tests, the uh, nasal swab versus the saliva test? Uh, yes. Uh, I've actually heard more people whine about the, the, nasal, uh, the nasal test, but uh, I think they're, they're over dramatic. It wasn't that bad. I mean, your, your ear, not your ear, that's a good one. Your eye will water up a little bit, but it was over in 10 seconds. So uh, I've heard people spending 15, 20 minutes on the saliva test because they get so dry in the mouth that they can't get any saliva out. So yeah. it's um, time-consuming. It's, it's certainly more on the saliva uh, test. But uh, yeah, the other one might feel a little un uncomfortable, but it's, it's not a big deal really. Yeah, well, it's good that the safety protocol, look, it's, it's clearly working because as we're seeing other sports uh, struggle with uh, what they're trying to do, the PGA Tour and golf in general has been doing pretty well. All right, uh, let's get to the WGCs. You know, yep. you, as I said earlier, you're a world player. You know, you have majors. I know we have one coming up next week, which we're not going to worry about till next week. So that's what you just told me we're going to do. Uh, and I listened to you. But the WGCs, where do those fit into your world? Like, how, how important are they to the players? Because um, there's WGCs, there's playoffs, there's kind of the older traditional events that we've had that are kind of the backbone of the tour. Where, where do these things kind of rank for you? No, they, they certainly rank very highly. Uh, we, we got the, the four majors. Uh, I would say you probably have the, the Players' Championship as the many times been called the fifth major Um uh, Closely behind the the four, and then I'd I'd put the 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 World Golf Championships after that. Uh, it's limited fields, but it's the best players in the world that the place, and uh, um, yeah, it's just a chance to to measure yourself uh, against the best players from the world, and 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 also we got players coming in from from many different parts of the world. It's a slightly different setup for the qualification criteria for all the the World Golf Championships. Um, the first one, uh, the match play, uh, just goes off the world ranking down to 64 highest ranked players. This one here got, uh, I think, the, the Ryder Cup teams and the President's Cup uh, teams here. And uh, we also, uh, and, and winners of, of certain tournaments, I think, um, 
that has a high world ranking uh, number for the week. So uh, yeah, it's it's different different ways to get into to the WGC. So they they bring some some players from from other parts of the world that wouldn't necessarily play on the PGA Tour or have a chance to do that. So uh, yeah, I think it's uh, for the for the world of golf and and for the global game, it's uh, it's important tournaments and and um, something that that the world of golf uh, follows closely. And I think. You know, let's just be honest. The biggest single sponsor of the PGA Tour is FedEx, and this is their home, and this is their tournament, and they probably wanted it as a WGC to get more uh, players like yourself, top-ranked, you know, major champions into Memphis uh, to be there. I, I think it's great. Uh, I just think anytime you can get the best players in the world teeing up against each other, you know, no offense to anyone, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, Michael Thompson in a second, but you know, anyone who wins obviously deserves. To, to be there and, and, and you never know who's going to come out of these things and win but the more that I can see the likes of yourself and, and some of the top players in the world together uh, I think the better so let's talk about Michael Thompson 167 starts between wins um, what was kind of your longest route and did you ever have any doubts you were going to win again uh, no there's never been any doubts in my mind whatsoever ever about anything but nothing uh, no, let's get serious. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, I think it's back. I won the players in 2009. And then it was probably about three and a half years until I won the South African Open in December 2012. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was a long time. And, and absolutely, uh, it feels like an eternity. And, and you wonder a little bit, you know, when, we'll, when we will get the number one spot on the podium again, but uh, you just got to stay patient. Uh, uh, it, I think it also comes down to how many chances you have to win. Um, if you don't have any, if you're not in contention, you're obviously not going to be having a chance to, to win golf tournaments. So that's kind of the first thing you, you want to get your game in good shape so you can start contending again and then be up there and, and if you're playing well and solid, eventually the the turn will uh, will come and and you'll get that win again. But uh, sometimes it, it tests uh, the patience more than anything. And um, we got other players as well that that's been mentioned a lot as of late. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm sure if you uh, if you ask uh, Tony, he would he would feel the same way you know it's, uh, it's it's been a long time and you want to get it done but you can't force it at the same time so you just gotta stay strong and do the right things and it will happen and who knows tony might win three three out of out of five weeks you know when he gets that first one it might be a little bit like the the ketchup coming out of the bottle as well and and uh and you're gonna get a few more just on the back end of it so patience is is key in these in these questions yeah, and I think that um, the biggest question I have for you is with with being out of competitive golf now for four and a half months, which really isn't that long a time if you look at the grand scheme of things, even though it feels like forever ago that we were at the players, uh, to be honest. Do you worry about rust? Do you worry about like getting into competition and just not having done it as much if you're you know, facing some players that have been playing for the last six, seven weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know, but I think, Looking at it from my my point of view, I played that much golf uh, uh, socially and and kept the game going, even though I haven't maybe practiced uh, super hard there for periods of time on on the golf game in particular. Then I, I still feel like when you when you're playing a lot, you're in playing mode and and you're getting the most out of whatever game game you have for the um, for the moments. Uh, I would be more worried if I hadn't played golf on the golf course uh, as much as I've done. So, uh, uh, yeah, there might be might be little bits and pieces here and there, but I think that's potentially the same if you're coming back from three weeks off, or if you if you're coming back from three months off, it, it might not be a, a a massive difference. So I'm I'm not really worried on that end, but I'm I'm sure it's going to feel a, a little bit different, you know, hitting that first tee shots when you haven't done it for four or five months. Do you uh, do you have any new sunglasses you're going to be debuting? Uh, not really. I mean, we got some exciting exciting news uh, in that department that we're launching the uh, the brand new US site uh, most likely on Thursday when we're airing this. So uh, 
Henrik Stenson Eyewear. Well, that's what I'm trying to tee you up to tell everybody. So if they go to Henrik Stenson Eyewear, there's going to be a brand new website for those of us in the United States. It's going to be Henrik Stenson Eyewear US.com. That's the important part. Excellent. Un- un- unless Excellent. you want to have your, your glasses shipped from, from Sweden, that is, but I don't know. I've been trying to, I mean, you know, look, I wear glasses. I've been trying to get some, but I've been told I have to wait till this new website comes up because you didn't want to pay for shipping for me internationally. Yeah, not not that I'm cheap or anything, but yeah, that's no. right. It just makes more sense to ship them locally. <laughs> well, everybody, yeah. let's uh, let's let's crash the website, everybody. Just stop, pause the <laughs> podcast right now. Go to henrikstensoniwear.us. Crash it, then come back and pick up the rest of the podcast. All right. That was the big thing I wanted to get mentioned. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask about is, can you give us your schedule? We know you're playing this week. We know you're playing the PGA Championship. Can you give us any insights beyond that, or is that as far as you're going to allow us to go? But you said... You said Henrik Stenson US. Isn't Henrik Stenson Eyewear US? No, Henrik Stenson I think it is. Eyewearus.com. All right. Who writes these yeah. things? Someone needs to come up with a better. All right. No, anyway, that's go like, to that website. That, that, well, let's crash both sites. <laughs> <laughs> are we still recording? No, of course we are. We don't edit yeah. our bloopers out, we just roll with it. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that'd be right, good. So, let's, so let's go Henrik Stenson, eyewearus.com. Don't forget yeah, it now. Then you're never going to get your glasses. All right. I'm writing it down right now. All right. Let's go to the schedule. What do we got? Yeah. We got we got Memphis this week, which we know because we're talking about that. We have the PGA Championship next week in San Francisco. Yeah. And then what do we have after that? Then I'll actually go back to Sweden to the family for a couple of weeks. And I'm bearing any, you know crazy good golf here in the next couple of weeks because I'd played two out of 22 tournaments on the schedule when, when we shut down. So yeah. I'm nowhere in the FedEx Cup rankings. I'm, I'm way down 200-something, and uh, uh, I'm just going to try and have two solid weeks here, see where it takes us. Uh, if something great comes out of it, obviously I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have to reconsider my, my schedule. Otherwise, I'll go back to Sweden for a couple of weeks, then come back over. And, and have a few weeks to prepare for the U.S. Open. So uh, not totally unlikely. It might be WGC major, major here in the, in the next five, six weeks. So, uh, yeah, a lot of big golf tournaments coming up. Yeah, I mean, I was going to mention the fact that combined, we've, we've both played two of the, uh, the 20 events on the FedEx Cup schedule going into <laughs> this week. So uh, we have that. All right, it's time now for Ask the Iceman where you get to ask Henrik on his social channels. I'm not even going to try to say them because I'm sure I'll mess those up too. Uh, we got so many questions. Uh, the guys that, uh, who, who kind of help monitor this, we actually have a team that monitors this. So I've noticed you have all these people that are part of your team. Uh, we have coaches. We have you know these, these social people that are helping out. Um, I'm assuming I'm a small part of the team, very, very little part of the team. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's not very big at all. No. But we have some great questions. Uh, the first one is from Craig Primrose, who, fun fact, He's from the United Kingdom, and he followed you during your final round at Troon and was rooting you on to victory. But you remember Nice. Craig. Yeah, absolutely. Recently, you had a picture that kind of blew up the internet a little bit of a young John Rahm meeting you. Do you have any pictures, memories of meeting a golf pro when you were a young Henrik Stenson that, ins- that inspired you? Uh, not necessarily any pictures, maybe, but uh, I certainly have some strong memories, and uh, I started playing when I was about 11, 12, uh, this small course uh, just north of Gothenburg. And they had a couple of guys who, who were pros. And one of them had a friend, I think he was from New Zealand. Uh, and he was in town there for, for a while. And he was hitting shots on the range. And I remember I was just sitting behind, drooling when he hit these eight irons or six irons or whatever. And I thought, Every one of them landed in exactly the same spot. Obviously, they didn't, but when I was 11, I thought they did. So uh, that's just one of those in- inspiring memories that I have. I was sitting there watching this pro uh, practice, and I was just totally in awe of, of his shots and, and wanted to hit the ball just like him. So, uh, yeah, sometimes... Uh, uh, those those uh, moments kind of come along and and you realize long after that uh, yeah that was certainly one thing that 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 made me practice a little bit more or work a little bit harder on my game yeah well, it was really cool the picture you posted with John Rahm 
uh, as you congratulated him on reaching number one in the world. That was uh, that was uh, was well done by you or your team, you. whoever did it. All right, thank you. Next one. If you had to play one course with one person for the rest of your life, where would it be, and who is this one person? Yeah, uh, golf course. Uh, I'd probably say St Andrews or Pebble Beach, uh, and. Uh, I'd, I'd bring my son. He's uh, he's ten years old. He, he loves playing golf now, and uh, we uh, we actually played Pebble Beach uh, together on the twenty sixth of December. So since we did that one, I'll pick St Andrews, and I'll, I'll pick my uh, I'll pick my son Carl. Then, uh, and we're going to play a lot of golf together by the by the sounds of it. There. Yeah, you'd be playing every day for the rest of your life. Um, because he's only ten, did you pick him? Because for the foreseeable future, you have no shot of losing him. Would that yeah, go into the ab- equation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Smart. I like it. All right. Uh, next one. If you can have any professional PGA player, present or past, to be your caddy, who would it be and why? This one was from Jason Crisp. I'd, I'd pick uh, I'd pick Tiger. I think uh, he knows how to win on, on pretty much any course anywhere in the world. So uh, that, that would make it pretty easy. But wouldn't you worry about his back if he had to carry your bag and everything that he wouldn't be able to, you know, his health would, would he to certain weeks, he just wouldn't be able to go and you, you'd, you'd have to replace him yeah, last second. We'll, we'll, we'll get him a pencil bag. He can manage oh, okay. that. Okay. Um, you know who I think would be really great on this? I don't know if you, did you see the video Butch Harmon posted of Fred Couples this week? Well, he's got a bad back too. I know. Well, you picked people. If we get him a pencil bag, it wouldn't matter. But but Fred Couples at age sixty shot a fifty nine this week, and his swing looked so smooth. I think it should be required viewing for any amateur before they go out and play because you get to see the effortless power he puts into it. And I think yeah. Freddie would be so much fun. I think he'd be a really really interesting guy. Absolutely. I mean, out of a per- persona and 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 uh, you know uh, just spending time with someone, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we could come up with a long list. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of lot of good guys out there that that I would uh, would enjoy spending time with. So, uh, yeah, I guess I can I can keep on thinking about this question forever yeah. and ever. But I liked it. I liked it. And if uh, if someone else wants to ask the question, name another player. You can do that in a future week. By the way, Stephen uh, Graustra was the person who asked us about the uh, playing with your son for the rest of your life at Pebble or at St Andrews. And the last one. This is the the key one. Mark Boyer wants to know. Uh, by the way, he met you at the 2014 Ryder Cup. All these people are coming out of the woodwork. Um, uh, almost, you know, they're they're all sending pictures with you, and they're all like, like they, they are saying the exact moment he met you on, I believe, the 6T during the 2014 Ryder Cup in Scotland. He wants to know your favorite pizza topping. Yeah, that, that's the question I would I would come up with as well. If I, if I went to a Ryder Cup, I'm standing on the 6T yeah. box watching myself hit a nice uh, three wood or drive mm-hmm. it down the middle, I'd go, I wonder which pizza topping he likes. That would, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Who wouldn't think of that? But uh, Mark, I'd say uh, I'd probably take uh, ham. Ham yeah. or mushroom. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll take ham. Okay. Yeah, like I'm, uh, I'm a, uh, prosciutto, prosciutto ham from, ooh, that'd be from nice. here. That'd be nice. Yeah. I like that. I'm I'm a uh, sausage, pepperoni, mushroom, garlic person. Mm, um, I'm not much for garlic. I can do with the other things, but mm, I'll leave that to you. Okay. Well, the good news is we're we're not ever going to be within close distances of each other, potentially even next <laughs> week. So you don't have to worry about that at all. No, I can have my pizza to myself. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Well, the good news is that for Craig, Stephen, Jason, and Mark, they are going to receive a T-shirt that is an official logo t-shirt of our almost an hour podcast with Henrik Stenson presented by Callaway. I've been seeing pictures of these t-shirts posted, uh, mostly retweeted by you as people tag you in this. And the t-shirts are awesome. I've yet to get my t-shirt. Have you gotten yours yet? I haven't, uh, but I'm actually going to design a new one for you where, where it says, I like pepperoni and garlic on my pizza. That's the one you're going to run around with. Great. I can't wait. Maybe uh, just bring it next week to the, uh, to, to San Francisco. All right. Uh, our architectural design moment, and then we have a great video that we're going to get to in a few seconds here. Uh, but TPC Southland, the course used to be known as one of the easier ones on the PGA Tour. In fact, John Cook one time uh, shot a billion under par. Uh, you can fact check me if you'd <laughs> like, but set the all-time scoring record there. Um, but it's kind of changed a little bit. And 
Um, you know, the date has kind of moved around, which probably affects how they can get the golf course ready. This is in the, I'm assuming it's not going to be cool in uh, late July in, in, in Memphis. It's not cool whatsoever. Well, I mean, it's cool, but it's not cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it gives you, yeah, but it gives you an advantage because you have these great Henrik Stenson I work that's going to deflect the sun off of you and you're known as the Iceman, so the heat's not going to bother you. But architecturally, what stands out about this golf course? It's the rough, right? Yeah, it's not a long golf course by any means. Uh, you got quite a few holes that are actually quite short, uh, but the key is to take the ball on the fairway. You've got to be on the fairways. Uh, we got Bermuda rough. Anyone who's played uh, Bermuda rough knows it's, uh, it's very hard to, to judge what's going to come out. It could be a flyer. It could be a jumper there that goes 20, 30 yards longer with an nine iron, uh, or it can come out pretty dead and, and just kind of fall down short of the green as well. So you got to be on the fairways. Uh, if you want to do well this week, hit fairways. Uh, you got quite a lot of shots between nine iron and, and a gap wedge, I'd say, into a lot of the smaller par fours. But if you're not in, in prime position, it, it's, it's, it's a much harder week. So uh, do that. Then the green speed was, was pretty quick today when I was practicing. So uh, as much as you can, you want to try and keep it underneath the hole. Um, you, if you've got uphill putts into the grain, you, you can certainly be a lot more aggressive than those slick downhillers. So uh, that, that's another thing. And, and the greens are, are quite small in, in areas as well. So uh, you've got to be precise with those, uh, those approach shots. Uh, number of holes got water uh, for the, both the tee shots and the second shot, but mainly for the second shots. And... Uh, uh, coming out of that rough, it's, it's nerve-wracking every time you're going to hit a, an, a mid-iron over water out of a muta rough. So, uh, yeah, keeping on the short stuff would be uh, would be the number one thing this week. Is there a lot of three-woods in the, in, in, in the future for you this week off the tee, or is this one of those courses where it may even be some irons just to, to put it in the right place? Yeah, it's a bit of a combo. I'd say, um, yeah, still quite a lot of fairway woods off the, off the tee, but I'd say it's a mix between three woods and five woods, most likely on, on my end. A couple of drives on a few holes, but uh, it's, it's position play off the tee, I'd say, around here. And, and uh, yeah, as many fairways as possible, that, that's where you're going get to the, get the most budget chances from. All right, two more architecturally related questions. Do you prefer a course that are one of these like birdie fest events where, where the winning scores in the twenties, or do you prefer uh, a course where, where there's a little more challenge and, and, and the winning scores uh, a little bit higher? Yeah. I'm not saying I can't win on the, on the birdie fest tournaments. I've, I've done that a couple of times, but I think my game in general is more suited for the, for the tougher setups, uh, longer golf courses. Uh, uh, when I'm swinging well and hitting it well, my my strong part is is kind of between four iron and eight nine iron something like that. So when it becomes a wedge competition, I feel like I'm competing with with the whole field. If it's down to a five six iron competition, there's a few guys who who might not have that as their strong point. So uh, I, I know what suits my game and which courses that kind of set up more for that type of play and and uh, luckily a lot of times major championship golf courses are set up pretty hard and and some of the, these big events are played on on a little bit longer tougher golf courses as well so um, yeah everyone got the strength and, and weaknesses and uh, uh, for me it's certainly better if it's if it's a little bit on the harder side all right and then switching a little bit to harding park and we're not going to look look too much ahead to it but since we won't do a podcast until after uh, the year's first major, the temperatures are going to be cold. It's going to be marine layer. It's, it's the ball's not going to travel. What is there? Is there any just, well, the ball actually will travel. It just won't travel quite as far as if it probably will in Memphis. Is, is there any like big shift you make when you go, when you leave Memphis where it's, you know, 90 plus degrees and Bermuda, and then you go to, to Harding park, which is a completely different kind of uh, golf course, golf course setup, or is it just something like those three days in between are more than enough time for you to adjust? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely wear a sweater in, in San Francisco if needed, uh, if that's Excellent. what you meant. I've packed, an ex- I've packed, ne- packed an extra one in case you forgot. <laughs> I don't want you to have uh, to go back to Sweden between Memphis and uh, San Francisco. No, it's, it's a long enough journey anyway, so let's go direct. But um, in, in terms of how it affects the, the golf game itself, uh, yeah, of course, you're not going to 
in, if it's 65 and and overcast and you're in a sweater, you're not going to hit as, as far as if it's 96 and you're in a, in a t-shirt, but it's still fairly small adjustments. Uh, uh, the, the biggest difference I'd say is that West coast, we're going to play a totally different surface. So it's a little bit like we're playing the French open on, uh, in tennis on clay here. And then we're going to Wimbledon on grass next week. So it's, it's going to be a little bit different in, in that sense. So, in terms of prep work, yeah, playing on on um, on Bermuda the week before you're going to play a major championship uh, on on the more kind of regular grass on 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 the west coast, uh, yeah, that might not be a hundred percent ideal, but you still want to have this competitive practice the week before and and really be into your game and and. Uh, uh, yeah, I think the the positives out outweighs the the negatives in in that sense. If only you had a friend on the West Coast who could offer you some West Coast advice. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll see if I can pick one up. Hmm. Well, I'm sure plenty of people will write into Ask the Iceman and uh, offer their help. All right. Uh, <laughs> the next thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, someone who's going to set a record this week. Uh, Miguel and Al Jimenez. Notice how good my pronunciation was there. About to set perfect. the all-time record for for most starts on on the European tour, which, by the way, blows me away that Gary Player isn't doesn't have like four billion of these. Because um, I, I kind of think that he may come out of retirement just to somehow get this record. Um, but the European tour put out a little video, and we're we're going to take a look at it right now. People loved when we watched the the Bryson video last week, so let's let's hit play on this one. Very technically, we're hitting play. Here it comes. And I want to get your uh, your your take on this video from last week at the uh, the Bet Fred British, which there was no one named Fred to bet on, so it seems like it's kind of a weird name. But here we go. Let's let's play <laughs> this and do, give me your thoughts on this guy. He's smoking the cigar, walking around. How about that? I mean, talk to me about this guy. I mean, that, no, that was I a mean, he's, it's crazy. Miguel is, uh, is certainly a one-of-a-kind. Uh, he loves life. Uh, you can tell he loves his, his uh, cigars. That's not a secret. He almost got upset one time when, uh, when I asked him uh, you know, about red wine and I said, so you, you still drink the odd glass here and there on tournament? And he, he looked at me like, like I was a complete idiot and said, well, if, if I can't have a glass of, of Rioja uh, in the evening, uh, I might, might as well not, not live or, or be out here and playing golf. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, he, he's got a few things that he really likes and, and enjoys. Uh, uh, legend of the game in that sense. He's been around for a long, long time. Uh, great great player uh, playing his 707th start setting that all-time record on the European tour that, that's amazing and uh, I think there's not one person who don't like to, to see his warm-up routine and uh, I got a good story there with uh, Miguel he's associated with uh, with Audemars Piquet the same uh, watch brand that, that I'm representing and we're having a function at uh, at Lake Nona, my home course, and Miguel is going to take the whole audience through his his warm up routine. So he's doing all these funky moves, and we all seen that on on uh, on social media and on on TV. And when he goes down into a deep squat, we just hear this big old rip. So he, in front of all the people, he rips his pants wide open in the in the back, and he uh, he kind of had to. Uh, stop the warm up and and actually go in and and uh, change pants in the in the locker room. He had a suitcase in there and he could kind of save the save the day a little bit. But uh, it's not completely without risk to uh, to do some of those warm up moves. And uh, yeah, it's it, I, I bet if everyone does them, there's going to be a few pants uh, ripping. Is that is that the reason why we don't see you doing those warm up routines? Because you uh, you tend to wear some pretty slender, you know, Euro fit pants. There, I guess you just call them fit pants. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't want to take, yeah. take that chance, right? Um, no, I've actually I have 
ripped a pair of pants, but that was in Thailand. We were sweating so much and you got the sweat just like pouring down your legs. And when I sat down to read a putt, the pants actually got stuck to my knees. So, so normally when you, when you crouch down, they, they kind of slide up your legs, right? But they were so sweaty, they were just stuck over the kneecaps and I just completely ripped them back to front as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it can happen, but, uh, yes, if you're going to do those warm up routines, uh, I prefer to do them in the locker room bef- before I head out onto the driving range. Yeah, exactly. It just makes a lot more sense. But I think Miguel likes to do it when the cameras are on with the cigar out and everything. Uh, it oh, just yeah. Adds oh, yeah. To, no, uh, he's, he's, not ca- he's not camera shy, Miguel. No. <laughs> not one bit is there. You know, he, he obviously, a lot of people don't appreciate his greatness on the golf course because they think of kind of the world's most interesting golfer and stuff like that. Has there ever been like a Ryder Cup moment or anything where, where you, you, you've either asked him about competing in it or something or, or just when he was one of the, the vice captains or you've just seen a different side of him that maybe isn't the, the fun kind of sunglass wearing cigar smoking guy that really kind of validates how, how great a competitor he is? No, I think, uh, yeah, you don't seem to be too upset about things you know he's got a, a pretty good outlook on on life there i think and and uh, uh I, I think he got a bit he had a period where he was really uh keen into his his uh, hairstyle and he had this special comb and he was fluffing it up and this and i think quite a few players and caddies gave him a lot of grief about that and then he, uh, i saw him snap at one guy once uh due to the the discussions about his hairdo but uh, other than that he seems to be pretty pretty calm and cool and uh, no he's he's been on a on a couple of couple of Ryder Cup teams uh, I believe 06 and 08 at least 08 I know for sure but uh, I haven't partnered up with him um, in the Ryder Cup and uh, and so on but he's uh, he's certainly uh, been a big part of European golf and and uh, yeah he was he was kind of behind behind when when Seve started to to fade uh, fade away there and uh, and and Sergio was obviously the young rising star but Miguel was kind of kind of the the older steady Spaniard for for many many years uh, on, on the European tour yeah what a great record I, I would be honest with Stephen Graustra asked me one person who I would want to maybe have or no Jason Crip asked Crisp asked me who I wanted to be my caddy I would have to put him on the list because yeah way, at the end yeah. of the day we're gonna have a great bottle of wine it'd be kind of fun I don't have to worry about his back he's so limber and you like a cigar as well do you not not my thing no not my okay thing. let's let's leave that to someone else then it's not but, my but thing he, but, that would, but it would be it would be really easy to shop for him because I just you know what to get him yeah yeah Hair, no. some some hairstyle products, a Rioja, and a cigar. Exactly. That, it'd be, it'd that's be, all it needs. It'd be super easy. It'd be super no, easy. No, right? no food, no nothing. No. <laughs> uh, mental game. This was a question somebody else tweeted you, but they didn't do it as part of Ask the Iceman. Um, and I thought it was a great question, mostly because you said to me, hey, Jeff, this would be a great question for you to ask me here for the mental game part. How do you prepare to compete this week, and what is the goal? Yeah, I think uh, if you're talking results, goal i mean it's always to to win the golf tournament i mean that's always the the goal you have uh, somewhere down the line but uh, uh like we like we have here it's uh, it's a great opportunity i know i'm going to play four rounds of golf because there's no cuts uh and in preparations for for the major next week you want to see what where you're at it's your last chance to to check in on, on things here. Uh, at the same time, it's my first competitive round in four and a half months. So, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of moving parts here. But in general, this is like the rehearsal before the, the, big, the biggest uh, performance, which, which is playing the majors. So it's, it's a great chance to, to see where, where we stand with everything, to, to be able to make some little final tweaks going into to next week's major. Uh, in terms of game plan and strategy i mean i i i will go through uh this how to i think i should play this golf course with my caddy which is by the way not my normal caddy i got fooch uh, uh oh, that nice. I know re- re- really well uh, 
carried many years for Justin Rose. We we played yeah. together in the in the Ryder Cup and so on. Uh, because Glenn is is kind of stuck in in South Africa with with everything yeah. that's going on. So uh, uh, Fuchs is, is stepping in here two weeks, but we'll discuss how we think we're going to play this golf course uh, the best way with with what game I have and my strengths and and possible weaknesses uh, heading into this week. And I think being dedicated that you put that work in. Uh, only because you make a bogey on the first or you make a birdie on the first, you're not going to change what you do on the second hole. And I think uh, some players, not necessarily tour players, but you see amateur players, they might think, oh, I'm going to do this. And then just based on what happened on the previous hole or one bad shot or one bad swing, they, they're willing to change the whole plan of how they're going to play the golf course. This stays the same pretty much for me for three and a half days. I'm willing to start looking a little bit more. If I come in on Sunday afternoon on the back nine, I'm too behind. Yeah, I'm willing to start maybe taking a gamble somewhere and, and possibly change my strategy. But if this is the the way I think I'm going to get the most out of my game on this golf course when I started, I, I try and follow through on that all the way to the end. So uh, really put a game plan down and, and then stick to it. I think that's kind of the moral of the story. Yeah, well, that's great advice for everybody uh, going out there. Also, great advice to pick a, a great caddy, uh, like because I heard I heard from from again the spies I had at Nona that I was on the short list of people you had considered to caddy, um, a little bit further down than 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 Pooch. So I'm really glad that he accepted the opportunity. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe next time you make the top hundred, and then and then it'd be a different conversation. Well, I have a great T-shirt to wear that would tell people all about this podcast, which would probably be a great promotional thing if you're in the hunt on the back nine on Sunday and I'm walking around wearing the, you know, podcast T-shirt. I mean, think about how many listens uh, we could get. The the one where you says you like garlic pepperoni. <laughs> That's on the back. That's on the back. The front is still the actual <laughs> podcast one. All right. This day in obscure Henrik Stenson history, because we can't get this one over quick enough, I'm sure. Um, you recently posted a video in the living room of your daughter, uh, putting towards you. And and it got me thinking of the time when you were, because you, again, you, you, you've documented that you didn't really start playing golf till you were a little bit older, but can you tell us about the time when you were a teenager and you finally broke something in the house with either a golf ball or a golf club? Uh, other than the club itself. Well, it could have been the club itself. You're, you've, you've been known to do that pretty well. Um, yeah, that, that might've happened uh, on a couple of occasions, but uh, it's actually a, uh, Later on, uh, here in, in, in life and in my career, I'm so I'm, I'm probably about 23, and uh, this is in my first, first apartment. And I got a similar putting mat actually that Alice was using. I have that mm -hmm. out on the floor, uh, and I'm practicing putting, and, and something is not right, and I'm, I'm kind of just lifting the club up. And I accidentally hit the, the the lamp that was in the ceiling, and it's just like I just get covered in glass. And until I understood what actually happened, uh, I mean, it was like a, a, a second there when what is this thing just raining down on my head and uh, glass coming from? But I actually managed to put, poke the putter straight up into the air, and and uh, but it wasn't in anger. It was it was just more like trying to figure out what's happening here. And I just elevated my arms with the putter straight up and crashed the lamp, got glass all over me and, and, and a big surprise, but no injuries. And, and uh, yeah, we had to just clean it up. Well, the moral of the story is make sure when you put your putting mat down that you don't put it down under any lamp, light or uh, electrical accessory. Absolutely. And don't elevate your arms for no reason. And make sure you have high ceilings. All right. Um, I have a special request for you. During the charity event that's Wednesday, you know, maybe that's a great time when someone asks you something because I don't know if you've watched any of these charity events uh, that, that PGA Tour Live has been telecasting. I've watched a couple of them. The players can talk about anything. Just give the podcast a plug. Just tell everybody to download, listen, subscribe, rate, review the podcast almost an hour with that. I mean, it's like almost an hour. People, if they're going to watch nine holes of you playing a charity event on a Wednesday, they clearly have almost an hour. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see if we can get a few more people to tune in. 
Yeah, or at least get Victor to, to, to listen. I mean, again, as, as the reigning king of Scandinavian golf, he, he owes it to you to, uh, to listen to what you have to say on the podcast, especially because we've been very nice to him. Yeah, but it'd be, it'd be, I might need his help, though. If he's going to walk around there for five holes and just listen to podcasts, I'm going to have to carry the team on my own. And, and uh, Victor is pretty good, so I'd, I'd like to have him focused right. on, on the task. But we'll, we'll see. We'll figure something right, well, out. I do, I, I do think it's awesome in your first week back that you're you're participating in that. I think that these events have raised a ton of money and uh, I would say hats off to you, but I want to keep that on. I have some bad hair going right now. Yeah, that's fine. No, it'd be, it'd be fun to play. I mean, I know Sneds and, and Billy Horschel for many years and they're, they're great guys. So I'm, I'm sure we have a we have a fun time together and, and uh, raise some money for charity. That'd be, that'd be great too. Well, that's the whole cause. That's the whole reason we're doing this. And Henrik, I am excited because our next podcast will be after you have competed in two events, a WGC and a major championship, I could even just walk over Sunday after you're done playing, after you win with the Wanamaker Trophy. We can just record the podcast right right together before I fly home if you want. If uh, if I stand there with the Wanamaker, we're definitely doing the podcast uh, right after. No question. Okay. All right. Good. Because the Wanamaker is quite big because we could probably fit a little bit of this in there while we're um, – while we're oh, celebrating. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Those are always easy problems to have, what to put in it. Okay. All right. Well, I will be up <laughs> for that. Uh, we want to just thank everybody for listening. We want to remind everybody, subscribe, rate, and review. And you know what, Henrik? I think on the next podcast, um, and we'll try to get some people to promote this, um, why don't we give away a three-wood? Because you're known for hitting uh, uh, some great three-woods. I'll just go in the office and grab a Maverick three-wood, and I'll have that all ready for... Uh, we'll figure out what we're going to do to give it away on the next podcast. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Hopefully, I won't give mine away because I, I need mine. But uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll take one from the office and and come up with a with a clever way to uh, to hand it out okay. to to some lucky lucky uh, listener. Sounds all good. Right. Well, we will. All right. Well, uh, how do I say? So this is. I'm going to close it with the Swedish word of the week. How do I say good luck and play well in Swedish? Lycka till, spela bra. Lick it till spit a bra. Yeah, that you nailed it. Perfect. No, I didn't. I didn't even get close. No, you did. Lick it till right. spit a bra. Lick it till spit a bra. I feel like I've uh, I've I've learned a lot. I've also learned that I'm going to go to uh, your eyewear company's United States website on Thursday, and I'm going to order some glasses. Yeah, Henrik Stenson eyewearus.com. And That's why I, I didn't also want to. I wanted you to I, say it. I also want to congratulate you on. Uh, the wedding on the marriage well, thank you thank you i thought you were going to congratulate me on still being married a couple days later because that would be yeah. the, the style that yeah, you would that, that that too uh, well, double you. congratulations i appreciate it. it was really hard not having you here i know you wanted to wanted to get down here really really badly but uh, i understand why you couldn't make it yeah next time next time. <laughs> 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 all right that is going to conclude almost an hour with henrik since we actually almost went an hour which is exciting. Enjoy Memphis. Play well this week. And we will record next Sunday night from San Francisco with the Wanamaker Trophy and a giant victory celebration. Sound good? Sounds awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Take Thanks, care, everybody, guys. for listening.